today on the Have Form Montreal Canadiens finally traded away Jeff Petrie. I mean, look, we're not going to hate on Jeff Petrie too much on this podcast, but uh, I mean, it was a rough last year for Petrie. We're happy he gets to go live in the U.S. like he wanted, but we're happy to get rid of him and get an actual useful piece. We'll talk about the trade, what we think, if it's a good move. A new, new assistant coach in town doesn't, doesn't seem too happy about it. I don't know. You don't like the lack of experience that Ruby Dub brings? I don't know. I don't know if you're right about that. Huh? You want to yeah. chime in? I mean, it, well, I, 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 mean, I don't know. I thought you were, you were going to add more to the intro. Yeah. But, but uh, usually when I intro and I, I talk crap about you, you, you chime in to, to kind of defend yourself. I, th- I thought you want, but I guess you already know your opinion stupid. So I'll move on. And uh, also there's been, you know, some rumors around some Quebecois players, as always, with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Jonathan Huberdo. So we'll go over that stuff. I mean, it's the offseason, guys. We're, we're, we're going to talk about as much as we can talk about today, but let's talk about Jeff Petrie first. I mean, Jeff Petrie, we essentially one for one for Jeff Matheson. There's some picks being traded, but really, who cares? What, what was your first reaction to the trade, Justin? Well, my first reaction was obviously when I posted on Twitter, was not happy about it. Um, you know, I, I mean, I think... It, like the first reason I think that uh, that you know it, it surprised me a little bit was I was expecting when they were moving Jeff Petrie was I mean obviously right now the Canadians the the, the biggest need for the Habs is that cap space yeah and they still need cap space after this trade yeah well exactly exactly so I mean it for me it just and I think for most people it probably just made sense that okay we're gonna move Petrie we're gonna basically get whatever we can you know be it maybe a prospect probably not a very good prospect but uh, you know I thought maybe like a mid round pick or something like that. As long as we didn't have to give up something to get rid of him, perfectly fine. But then, um, you know, so, so this surprise, the, the trade was definitely a bit of a surprise. Cause I mean, they weren't really saving They're saving a little bit in cap cap room. I think about 1.4 million or something like that. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it was definitely a big surprise. Um, you know, Michael Matheson, uh, I'll be honest, I haven't really followed the Penguins the last two years, really. I mean, uh, you know, basically since COVID. But I remember, you know, it's not the first time that the Habs were linked to Michael Matheson. And, and uh, he's from Montreal, so that's always going to happen, right? Of course, right. And, you know, he's a puck-moving defenseman, too, a left-handed puck-moving defenseman. So it obviously makes sense. But, uh, you know, it, I, I seem to remember like a couple of years ago that he now, obviously, it seems like he had a pretty good year last year. Um, you know, everybody seems to seems to be saying that Pittsburgh fans as well were saying that he had he had a great uh, a really a bounce back season last year. But but, you know, he, he his last season or two, he really struggled in Florida. So, you know, when I saw that, I was like, OK, basically, we're moving. It's a cap dump for a cap dump. But I mean, I think. You know, Mike, like, I don't think that's fair. I don't think you can call Mike Matheson a captain. Like he had a great year last year. And like, we, we talk about this a lot, right? The, what, what, the, one of the best ways to kind of judge a trade as it happens, or at least one of the most interesting ways I find is to really go on the social media. Like just, just go on like the, the Twitter or the subreddit of the team that, that made the trade, right? Just to see what they think. And Pittsburgh fans weren't too happy about needing to get rid of Michael Matheson. Like, I, I don't know at what point, like, to what degree this is an upgrade for them, if I'm being honest. Unless they just needed to, to, to move the, the right-handed shot for the left-handed shot. They, they needed to equalize things there a little bit. But, I mean, let's not forget that Mike Matheson is younger 
by by what is it like almost seven years compared to Jeff Petrie. So that that that's a huge uh, improvement for the Canadians there. And the thing is, I get the want for a cap dump in a sense, but like we saw a bunch of trades where not, like Max Pacioretty right now is like look we we could talk what we want about Max Pacioretty. He is a better hockey player right now than Jeff Petrie. Right, he's still a very good winger and wingers are a premium and a goal scorer and he was given away so there's no situation where we could have moved jeff petrie for for for, for like a without taking back any salary i don't think I, th- I think that was just impossible and i think the only way that was happening is if we we gave up assets and i would i, w- I would have hated it and I, I think you would agree with that like there's no like even just getting let's say a fifth round pick or like future consideration for, for jeff petrie i i wouldn't like that i feel like like that's just poor asset management, at least with Mike Matheson. However, he plays like, first of all, to get rid of Jeff Petrie, don't get a defenseman in return. You need to get, go get a defenseman somewhere because as much as I'm all for playing the kids, you can't throw them to the wolves either. You have to have a little bit more of a veteran presence on the blue line. And like without Matheson, you're, you're looking at, at, at like starting like four rookies uh, for on defense for, for the Canadians. So I don't think that's a bad, bad ad in that sense. And then, the minimum you're paying for a defenseman on the open market, even a, a, like an average defenseman is like two, $3 million. So now you're paying like 1.5 more, a bit more for Michael Matheson. And there's potential there. But look, he's almost exactly the same age as Jeff Petrie was when we got Jeff Petrie. And if you look at Matheson's career before coming to the Canadians, it looks a lot like Jeff Petrie's career coming to the Canadians. Like, I'm not saying this is definitely going to happen, but there is a, realm of possibility where he turns into a new Jeff Petrie for the Canadians. And then we lost Jeff Petrie basically, and we replace him with a younger version of him. And that's just amazing. That, that's, that's a, that's a win. I'd much rather that get nothing in return for Petrie. No, I agree with that. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not saying at this point that it was a cap dump, that, that it was a bad move to get Mathis. And that was just my personally, my, my, my initial reaction, but um, you know, obviously after do, you know doing a little bit more reading and and, and whatnot, uh, seems a lot definitely seems like a like a move that makes sense at this point. Um, you know, a puck movement defenseman. First of all, I mean, like you said, yeah. he's still relatively young. He's 20, 28 years old. He's from here. He wants to be here. Puck movement defenseman. Obviously, something the Habs have been sorely, you know, lacking over the last couple of seasons. Since Mark Goblin. Basically, yeah. I mean, basically, since Mar- well, obviously Jeff Petrie, you know, was was sort of filling, uh, you know, d- did a pretty good job there as well. But uh, with so. him leaving now, Matheson. I mean, uh, you know, they, they, there's not a whole lot of puck moving defensemen, at least not veterans. I mean, obviously, you know, Harris and and guys like um, uh, Norlander, but like Gooley maybe to a certain extent, and, and Barron. Um, you know, obviously young, and and that's another reason that they absolutely needed needed a defenseman that that you know, is a, is a little bit older and more experienced. It can hopefully help the, uh, help some of the young kids grow. So no, at the end of the day, I mean, it was, it, it definitely looks like a pretty decent move. Uh, again, I mean, obviously they're going to have to make at least another move or two to, to clear some of that cap room, you know, to get doc. And, uh, and I think, you know, they might have another guy or two that they need to sign, but um, still, uh, obviously they're not done just yet. And uh, you know, I mean, and you know you mentioned that they, well the Cavs obviously they got a pick back they got a fourth round pick they also gave up another former first round pick of theirs in Ryan Paling and okay. uh, if you take a, I, take I, a, I genuinely forgot about Ryan Paling being part of that deal <laughs> it's so unimportant to me that Paling was part of that deal no I know it's it's sad you know I mean uh, obviously we just drafted a couple of a couple of years ago I believe 2017 
first round pick. I mean, it's it's just horrific. All the first, like if you take a look at all the first yeah. round picks the Habs have made over the last what like twenty years, like how many of them actually made an even remote impact with the Habs is is yeah. and and some of the best ones that did end up making an impact in the NHL were were traded away before they can make it to a real impact with the Canadians, like a Sergachev or a longer ago, like a McDonough. It's like, there's been so, just so little, you know, of value to come to the Canadians. But at the same time, like Ryan Paling, realistically, when was he ever going to be much more than, than, than what he is right now? I mean, Jake Evans basically took over for him and I'd much rather keep up Jake Evans for that fourth line center role than, than Ryan Paling. And, by the sounds of it, maybe didn't have the best attitude in Montreal either, right? We all know about the, the bubble situation where it sounds like he didn't show up in shape. So, I mean, I don't think anyone's uh, too heartbroken about losing Ryan Pelling. No, exactly. I mean, I wouldn't be super surprised to see him, you know, be be a, an okay contributor for the Penguins. I mean, I think, you know, he's he's still got some good hockey in front of him. Um, it clearly is not I, – I, at least I don't think he's going to be the – the, the level of player that we were hoping that he would be when he was originally came to the Habs and obviously scored a hat trick in his first game. But, um, you know, he's maybe a guy that can put up 10, 15 goals in, in a bottom six sort of center role. But yeah, like you said, I mean, Jake Evans made has made him expendable over the last two seasons. Um, you know, he's he spent a little bit of time on the wing, but really he, he looks completely lost on the wing on, on the fourth line. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. Absolutely did, did not make sense. And and like like you said, I mean, I think his attitude, you know, it seemingly might not have been the best. And and you know, at the end of the day, yeah, I think he's got some conservative views, and I'm sure he's pretty happy to be moving back to the states too. So, um, so you know, no, no no loss there, and not just Jake Evans. Let's not forget that they immediately signed Ram Pitlick after the after the move. So i'm sure that plays a big reason why they were fine moving on from 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 ryan pilling because i know a lot of us were kind of disappointed when initially ram pitlick was wasn't uh, offered a qualifying offer but i guess there was some logic to that they just it sounds like both parties still wanted to make it work between pitlick and and the canadians and they were just being patient before a move had to happen and then it happened and it was announced like within an hour, right? The Pitlick sign. So I'm I'm super happy to have Ram Pitlick back. I thought he was one of the few bright spots during the season last year. Even before Saint Louis, Pitlick was one of the players that was kind of like looking looking all right for the Canadians. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he was probably. I mean, I can't really think of any any players on the team last season that that outperformed what we expectations, right? Yeah. I mean, he was, yeah, he was really fantastic. And, you know, when, when they didn't offer him the, uh, the qualifying offer, I think it was just because they were a little bit afraid of what he could potentially get in arbitration if they, they went down that road. But it, I mean, it, it made a lot of sense for him to come back. I mean, you know, he's, he's obviously wasn't able to crack an NHL roster, at least not on a regular basis before coming to Montreal, obviously had a great impact for Montreal. So it, it just made a lot of sense for them. To get and if, if you're a player of, of Rem Pitlick's caliber, like he's 25 years old, he's on a two-year contract. Brings he's a UFA at the end of his contract. If you're if he is someone Rem Pitlick that really believes in his abilities to be like a solid NHLer, and he still thinks he has a, a space to improve, the Montreal Canadiens is exactly where he wants to be, right? Because it's it's a rebuilding team where he's going to get opportunities under a, a head coach, and I'm sure. He's like he re-signed here. Part of the reason why is because he loved what he, what he saw with uh, with Saint Louis as the coach. And if you really want to show what you have to give as a young NHLer, that that after this 
contract he's going to be you know what is usually the biggest contract player assigned i i wouldn't be surprised if we see him have a really strong couple of seasons that brings him into a ufa where he probably gets overpaid by some by some other teams so i think we're going to see some 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 good hockey from ram for the next two years and i wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a bit of a fan favorite honestly he's still on the bottom six but like he's just one of those guys that you just notice him every game he puts his like hard on the line every single time he just really plays hard all the time and i, I don't know i just i just love it like i just loved everything about his game last year oh absolutely i mean i i think he's already a bit of a fan favorite um quite frankly i mean with the with the season he had last uh, last year i mean uh yeah it even if he can just continue on what on on the same sort of pace i mean last year 26 points in 46 games that's uh roughly you know a 45 point pace i mean if he can do that that again next season i mean that that would be That'd be fantastic. I mean, for a waiver pickup, right? No, I know, I know. A great, a great, a great pickup for sure. And actually, speaking of waiver pickups, uh, I hadn't thought about this, but I saw. Uh, we didn't talk about this before the before the podcast, but it just came to me because you mentioned that. But the uh, I, I forgot that because they finished dead last last year, the Canadians are going to have top waiver priority up until I think November first. That's pretty incredible. I mean. It, it doesn't guarantee you're going to get anything valuable, but I, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if they're able to kind of maybe add another, like if they need another defenseman for that, that that's not too expensive and all that. You usually see some some okay players coming out of camp that end up uh, on, on, on the waiver wire, and it, it doesn't reset, right? The Canadians keep the top priority for the waiver uh, until November 1st, even if they use it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, that's definitely a good point, and and it's something to definitely keep an eye on, because the Canadians might have a couple of holes to fill. And and I mean, you know, the waiver pickups that they did last year. I mean, they made quite a few of them work. Obviously, worked out pretty well. Starting with Rem Pitlick, uh, Samuel Montembeau, obviously was a pretty decent pickup as well. I mean, they picked up Kale Clegg, who, well, he didn't really work out super well, but uh, you I know, mean, was, Montembeau, if it wasn't for him, we probably wouldn't have gotten the first overall pick. <laughs> What do you think? What do you think Primo would have uh, would have put no, up? Probably, probably not. Probably not. I'm just saying. It's not like Moldova was been was 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 great with a kid. He was fine. He was fine. I mean, I I don't blame any goaltender. Uh, put it in that position in front of that defense uh, last year. But here here's the thing now. So now Petrie's gone. Now, obviously Petrie had a bad year last year, but still Romanov's gone. I mean Weidman's back. Gave his number to Safkowski. Let's see it. But now the defense. You're looking at Matheson and Savard. Let's say as like uh, like a top pairing almost. Then Edmondson and let's say I don't know Chris Weidman and then Jordan Harris and Caden Gooley. Like defense is probably even worse than last year. And last year's defense was absolutely atrocious. Yeah, it's 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 not going to be pretty. <laughs> that's that's for sure. I mean, uh, is is it a little dangerous though to have all these kids in this situation and and how I, like it's going to be horrible? I mean, I guess throwing Montembeau and Allen to the wolves basically is like like I don't know. I get that it's a it's still a rebuilding year, but I don't know. At the same time, I get the feeling that they, they almost don't want to fully rebuild. Do they think this defensive core is not as bad as it actually is? Like I don't know. Yeah, I mean, obviously they still have to make at least a move or two uh, to clear up some cap room. I wouldn't be surprised to see them try and add an, uh, you know, another veteran defenseman. Um, yeah, because I mean, you know, like you said, I mean, at this point it's pretty ugly. I mean, Matheson and, and Savard would presumably be the first pairing. Edmondson and and I would say probably Barron on the second pairing. 
and then Weidman on the third pairing with, you know, one of the one of the rookies. That way, you know, I mean, you don't want to have two rookies on the same pairing. I would I, I wouldn't think. Um, so, you know, like, like and, unless Caden Cooley comes in here and has like a like Calder caliber rookie season, you know, where he right away starts eating up like 20, 25 minutes a game, it's, it's, it's which I don't expect, to be clear. It's going to be. Ugh, it's gonna be rough. It's gonna. I think there's gonna be a lot of a lot of time spent stuck in the uh, in the defensive zone. Yeah, <laughs> it, might, it might be. It might very well be a rough season for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know, I mean, Gooley. I mean, I think he he he'll be able to do a decent job. I mean, Harris looked pretty good at the end of last season too. Same thing with Barron. Um, you know, I, I think probably what they're going to do, they have a couple of well, all, those three young guys. I mean, maybe Norlander gets a little bit of uh, a little bit of time at some point next season, too. You know, you could see maybe Corey Schooneman again. Um, so I don't think they'll necessarily play every game. You know, they're probably going to going to going to be doing a little bit of sitting as well. Maybe maybe some yeah, of them. If, if you have a rotation where you have like no more than two a game playing uh, and then they, they alternate having get days off and all that, I don't think that's a bad, bad idea either. Yeah, you know, and uh, it, I guess you know a bit of a healthy internal competition as well, where you know if you deserve to play, you'll you'll keep playing, and you know the uh, again the, probably some of them will get some time down in Laval as well, and you know where they can get top minutes, and then you know power play time, PK time probably as well. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be be a big juggling act for Saint Louis and uh, and Ken Hughes, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be difficult. It's it's probably going to be another ugly season. I mean, we're, there is a, a, a world, there's a possibility out there that these kids, you know, these young rookie defensemen that are going to get obviously a lot of playing time for the Canadians, step in and, and play better than the defensemen we saw play last year. Because you know, it was really bad last year, right? It, oh. It's not impossible that they come in and they're actually better. I mean, I guess we'll see, but it's like, I can't imagine. I, I I can't imagine there's been a lot of teams in NHL history to start like basically start three rookie defensemen to start a season. That seems incredible. Yeah, probably not a whole lot of teams have done that. I wouldn't think. I mean, I, I think adding Joel Edmondson from the beginning will will make a pretty big impact. That's true. That's a good point. I I forgot that he wasn't there at all last year, basically. You know, I mean, uh, we lost Sherratt. I don't think anybody thinks that that's a massive loss, but some people do. Uh, I don't understand them, but some people do. Some people really value the cross checks to the back. They think that's what wins hockey games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I know we both. Uh, I'm pretty sure we can both agree that that Edmondson is is a step up from Sherratt. 100%. 100%. 100%. Ben Sherratt now has maybe the worst contract in the NHL. He's up there. He's up there with one of the worst contracts in the NHL for sure. Like that? What, what is it? Is it four and a half? I, it's, it's too much. It's, it was a surprising uh, uh, L from uh, Steve Eisenman, who's, who's done a great job. Well, he did a great job, obviously, with Tampa Bay. Now he's doing a great job with the Red Wings. But uh, let me see. 4.75. Top paid defenseman on the Detroit Red Wing. And, and, and not only that, for four years. Imagine paying 35-year-old Ben Sherratt $4.75 million. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. <laughs> I just Four years. Like, you know, if it was two years, okay, maybe. But maybe. I'm 0% surprised he got this contract. 
Like I told, I knew an NHL GM was going to give him this contract. I'm just surprised it was Eisenman, honestly. Yeah. Well, you know what? Like I, I don't know. He he made it. Like obviously Eisenman has did a great job with Tampa. Has done a, a pretty good job his first a couple of seasons in Detroit. But I don't know, man. A lot of like the moves that he made were really questionable for me. Like going going to get Andrew. Like I'm looking at their cap friendly right now. Andrew Cop for five point six million. That seems ridiculous to me. They went and got and and signed Billy Huso, who's not a he's a pretty decent goalie, but you already have Nadelkovich. I don't know. It seemed like there was a lot of weird moves, in my opinion. But I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, uh, people have questioned uh, questioned him before, and it always seems to work out. So exactly. I mean, I feel like the the what he's doing is he's banking on his young guys progressing, and. That's why he's signing guys like Andrew Kopp and Ben Schrott. To, to, and he wants to take advantage. Like, he's using the cap space he has while guys like Cider and Lucas Raymond and, like, those type of guys are on those cheap, cheap, cheap contracts, you know, because they're selling their rookie contracts to maybe go get those, like, guys as, as supplemental pieces. But it's not, like, at the same time. And that makes sense if you're a few, like, veteran guys away from being a contender. But, like, they probably still don't make the playoffs in this division, you know. No, no, the, uh, I can't see them in any way making the playoffs. But, but I mean, uh, you know, again, he's been questioned a lot in the past before. Like I remember when when uh, when they drafted Sider sixth overall, it was you yeah. know, off the board and it seemed like a terrible pick. And obviously, that's panned out pretty well for them. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, look who's laughing now. But speaking of the bad Ben Chirot contract, I don't know if you saw it uh, make the rounds, but there was that article written by. I can't remember his, how do you say his full name? Cause it's dumb, really long name. I can't pronounce it was the 10 worst. And he's analytics guys and the 10 worst contracts in the NHL. And to no one's surprise, Ben Chirot was there, but uh, I think it was number nine on the list was uh, our good buddy, Nick Suzuki. Yeah. I don't know how they figure that or how like it was calculated or whatever, but uh, I mean, I think we all know that there's a couple of more terrible contracts on the Habs right now on the Habs alone um, and exactly, across exactly now now just I, I do want to I don't want to seem like we're like bozos that just like go off a, a headline and don't read the article I mean to be clear I didn't I didn't read the full article but I did look into it and he was actually on Twitter posting the snippets of his the, what he says about Suzuki like he does specifically say that he because basically this isn't his opinion right he just he uses a model and the model spit out 10 players and these are Suzuki was one of the 10 players so he does believe that if anything's going to be wrong on the 10 players it's the Suzuki situation like he thinks that he kind of looks worse than he is he was and analytically because he was on such a bad team last year which no argument here I mean the Canadians are terrible last year and that he might actually after this year be nowhere near that list but I just I just think it's funny right because it's always like when I do like looking at analytics I don't always like 100 percent uh, like fully understand him. Like I don't think anyone under. I think even people that post analytics don't 100% always understand him. But one thing I've noticed is for sure is there's always one or two outliers that have no business being there. Anytime these people without these lists, that, that that's always the thing that that has to remind you that you have to take these with a little bit of a grain of salt. But there are fun things to consider when looking at like hockey stats and all that. No, exactly. And, and, and yeah, like you, like you said, I, I mean, to be honest, I didn't really read the whole article either, but you know, I, I read some of the comments and some of the comments that he said as well. And, you know, I think he even mentioned that he was surprised that Suzuki was on the list just based on, you know, whatever the calculations that, uh, 
that his formula spat out. Um, but I mean, like, like, you know, you know, if, if, if you could, if you could say to the Habs and, and you could say to us, you can get rid of one contract on the Habs right now and make it disappear. Obviously Nick Suzuki is going to be maybe the last guy that I would choose. A hundred percent. And I, I hate, I hate to say, I mean, the answer, like the, the I hate to say the answer is like either like Gallagher or Carey Price, basically, which is so sad to say, right? Cause those guys have given so much of this team, but uh, those are probably the contracts you'd want to get rid of. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, obviously when they signed Nick Suzuki, he wasn't, you know, his his current play wasn't worth the 7.8, I think, that he's making. Um, you know, you're obviously buying a bunch of years and you're hoping that he's eventually going to grow into that contract. He's obviously shown a lot already in his in his short career. And, you know, uh, he, he's just going to get better. So, I mean, that contract is going to look better and better as time goes on. For sure, for sure. I mean, no, no one on this uh, podcast is worried about uh, Nick Suzuki. If there's anything uh, we feel good about, is uh, it's uh, definitely the future ca- captain of the Montreal Canadiens, uh, Nick Suzuki. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. I just, it just, this team is so weird, man. I, I, I don't know what's gonna happen. Like, it does seem like they, they need to add a, a veteran defenseman to to complement the team. What, what do you think about the people? I mean, I've talked about it here before. I mean, there's one veteran defenseman. It's available still in UFA, has a history in Montreal. Would you take PK Subban on a super cheap contract, like one or two years at like one one point five million? Uh, <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I guess on paper I would, but like I think it would just be. I don't think they're ever gonna do it, just because of like the the distraction that it would be to the whole team, and not necessarily just because of PK, but like the media circus that is gonna cause. Yeah. You know, so I, I definitely but don't. At the same time, why wouldn't they want to go get? Because obviously, they have to know the team's not going to be that good this year. Why not go get us an extra reason to be excited and to talk about the Canadians? You know, and, and here, here's something I'll say about PK Subban too. Like, look, he's obviously not the player he used to be. Uh, he's had a lot of back issues and stuff like that. And here's the thing: he might not even be interested in coming back. He might not want the headache. He might rather be kind of a a bottom like supplemental guy on a cup to contending team, which is what you usually see with players in, in that position in their career. However, I, I truly believe that PK's personality, say what you will about it, but he thrives in a market like Montreal. He feeds off of it. And I could see him like, like I don't think there's any scenario where PK Subban becomes as good as he was when he peaked with the Montreal Canadiens. But I could see a scenario where he has a bit of a bounce back in Montreal just because he feeds off the crowd so much and he can kind of use that energy so much. And I don't know, I, 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 I would be excited home opener. They're announcing the whole team and then they announced PK Subban. I'd be hyped. And I know he, some people are hot and cold on him. I guarantee you, if he puts the Habs Jersey back on, especially if he signs on a cheap contract, which like they wouldn't sign him unless he's willing to take a cheap contract. I think even the haters will be like, Hey, he, he, he came back on a cheap contract because he really loves Montreal. And uh, I think you get a huge cheer, a giant cheer. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be exciting. I honestly wouldn't mind seeing it personally. Um, again, I don't think from the Habs perspective, I don't think it's going to happen again because, yeah. yes, it's going to create some excitement. But, like, you know, the media, that's all anyone's going to be talking about for the beginning of the season, probably during the season, once the Habs, you know, are starting to fall down the standings that's it's all going to be on 
going to be I, talking. I, I think as long as he has a cheap contract, there's how much can you say, right? You know, how much can you say? Like, you can't blame a player on a cheap contract for not winning. It would be like the, the media being like Jake Evans is the reason the Canadians can't compete with this $1.7 million contract, you know? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me, you know? Like, I don't know. I just, no, uh, you're probably right. You know, if, if if the Montreal media is known for anything, it's being... <laughs> fair enough. It's for being very reasonable, yeah, right? But, uh, but, uh, you're probably right. It won't happen. But, man, I'd love to I'd love to see it. I'd be so happy. But, uh, but like you said, too, I mean, like, you know, he's getting older. He's obviously, like, he doesn't have much time in, in the league left, right? I mean, he's probably going to be around for maybe another two or three seasons maximum, I would think. You know, he's obviously slowed down quite a bit. He hasn't won a cup, right? So, I mean, you know, you, you would think on his side, too, he would maybe go to a team like, I don't know, and well, a, a cup contending team and, and go play on their third pairing, get a cheap deal, and, and hopefully try to get that cup. Yeah, like, I feel like at, the, at this point, you, you either go for the, the, the cheap deal on a cup contending team or you kind of try to squeeze out uh, a, a bigger contract somewhere else for your last contract, but then that's not going to be in Montreal. Cause I, I really do think if there is in, in any sort of possibility they were to sign him, it would only be if it's for a, a dirt cheap contract. I, I wonder if he's, he's winning on John Klingberg and is hoping some, some team's going to stupidly give him way too much money after missing out on, on Klingberg, but uh, ah, we'll see. Anyways, it's fine. It's fun to talk about PK. He's uh, Say what you will about PK. I'll always remember him fondly for all the the amazing memories uh, he gave us. But uh, and is moving on to another former right-handed defenseman for the Montreal Canadiens. I'm pretty sure it was right-handed, right? Stefan Rabida, now an assistant coach to Martin Saint. We we briefly touched on it on the beginning. Uh, so basically, another young young coach. I mean, 45 years old for a coach is pretty young, with very little experience. I think he's coming from a midget team. The coach, so not quite the Pee Wee team that uh, Saint Louis came from, but sa- same discourse again. Uh, low, uh, very little experience. I mean, it worked with Saint Louis. I don't mind it. I, I mean, I, I know you have your opinions on it, and I'm sure you'll share it with us. But here's the thing: Saint Louis already has the whole thing about not having a lot of experience. If you bring in an assistant that has more NHL experience than the head coach. Does that not potentially create a bit of a weird dynamic? You know, this is a young team and they've decided that they're going to have a young coach and they're all going to grow together. And that's the situation. You're Uh, going to bring a a veteran coach to to back up Sandy. It doesn't make sense to me. You got to go get another young, young guy just coming up like, like I think that makes perfect sense. I mean, first, first of all, like in the intro, you made it sound like I, I thought this was the stupidest thing ever. Yeah, because I expected you to defend yourself, Dustin. It's definitely not the case. Like, I, I, I thought and I would have preferred that they go with someone that has a little bit more experience. I definitely don't agree with what you're saying, that, like, this, if they bring in a veteran guy, that he's going to be sort of like the de facto head coach just because he has more experience. No, I don't think that that would be it at all. I think, you know, he could just sort of be – um, you know, basically kind of a mentor for for uh, for, for St. Louis. I mean, the whole coaching staff has little to no experience. I mean, St. Louis, like you said, was an assistant before joining the Habs, was an assistant coach on, a, I think, a Bantam team. Trevor Latowski, okay, he, I don't, I don't think he has any coaching experience in the NHL. He was the head coach of the, I believe, the Windsor Spitfires before. So he has a little bit of experience. 
Alex Burroughs has very, very little experience. He coached, I think, a year and a half with uh, uh, a year and a half or two years with the with the Laval Rocket, and about a year and a half now with the Canadians. But I mean, you know, it, it uh, it's got to be the coaching staff with the least experience in the NHL by a wide margin. I would have went with somebody with it that it, it has a little bit of experience, um, especially, you know, I mean, obviously we, we, ta- we were just talking about this. The Habs defense is full of young guys. So I don't but know. Like, that- at the same time, though, I, to me, uh, like having a, cause a, a defenseman, a former defenseman like Rabida was in the NHL more recently, right? Like he's not that far removed from being in the NHL. Because like you say no experience, but all these guys have a ton of NHL experience, right? And in a lot of cases, first of all, the players respect that more. Like a lot of players will respect uh, a coach that has very little coaching and experience at the NHL level, but had a lot of playing experience more than the opposite, right? And and it just Rabida to me, he's a fairly recent uh, in, in, the, in the NHL, like relatively speaking, he's not too some some old timer that hasn't adapted with how the game has changed and, and all that. And I don't know. I think that I think this makes sense to me. We're still a rebuilding team, and I really do worry that it could create a weird dynamic if you bring in a veteran coach to back up Saint Louis, who's the head coach. You, you you talk about like the I don't think that I necessarily would think this, but you talk about the Montreal media not being known for being logical about stuff. I mean, I could definitely see them talking about like. And I can already see it, like the headline on Jumal Montréal, and it's like a, a screenshot of like the assistant coach like drawing something up, and then the headline is like, "Who's really calling the shots behind the bench?" Something stupid like that, you know? Like I, I can legitimately see something like that happening, and it's just not necessary. This is Martin Saint Louis team, and let him build it the way he wants to. And I, I mean, look, the players are like, did you see Weidman, Chris Weidman's interview recently, where he's talking about how? Another player talking about how the speech Saint Louis gave was gave was the best one he's he's one of the best ones he's ever heard and he wants the players want to run through a wall for him and all that. I don't know. I feel like the coaching staff have something good going on and what they have going on is perfect for a young rebuild, rebuilding team, which is what we are. I, I love that that's what the focus is because getting a veteran is almost like you're saying, oh, we're gonna try to win more games than we should. No, no, lose lose games and just grow the rookies. That's all I want. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, like you said, I mean, obviously work out to a certain extent last season when they brought on Santa Wee and then they seem to have a good thing going right now. Um, you know, he's obviously seemed to, um, you know, the, the, the young kids seem to develop quite a bit under St. Louis over the last half of the season. So yeah, you know, keep, keep a good thing going, I guess. And yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, if, if St. Louis feels confident adding a to the, to the team, then, you know, you, you want guys that he feels comfortable with at the end of the day. And, Presumably, he feels good with him, so we'll see how it works and, out. Dude, had a long career in the NHL while being kind of a, like mediocre, mediocre in, in, in the sense of skill, but was just a really, really smart player and was able to kind of carve a long career in the NHL with that. And like, I know that former NHLers don't always translate to being good coaches. I mean, Wayne Gretzky is always the example people used to, used to love to make, but I feel like these types of players. The players that really have to fight for every second they they played in the NHL and ended up with long careers, they, they, they tend to be they tend to be like really, really smart hockey minds. I, I just I'm curious to see where it goes. And at the same time, like who cares? Who cares? It's, it's we want we want Connor Bedal, right? That's the that's the main focus. And maybe you know worst case, it's terrible and we lose more games because of it. Perfect. Like, who cares? Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, I mean, we're not uh, not exactly really looking to win too many games next season. 
Connor Bedard's going to be the focus. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we all, you know, what, what I think we all want to see is just to have the, the, the kids develop. Right. And hopefully yeah. that see next season. Absolutely. And I was, I was looking at the prospect pool for next year and like, obviously Connor Bedard is who I want the most, but like realistically, like I'm not going to assume the Canadians are going to win the draft lottery twice in a row. Like even if they were to finish last, which I don't think they will, because I think last year, we've talked about this they, their roster wasn't as bad as where they ended it's just the injuries and all that and i think chicago and arizona are going to out tank the canadians this year but they could still win the lottery technically it's just, just not going to assume it's going to happen but i'm almost they can get a top four top five pick and i'm forgetting his name is it's i don't think it's dvorak but it looks like dvorak but it's the slovakian center i mean yeah. i just want i just want that guy just complete the, Slo, the slovakian line for, with first round first overall picks uh, for his first round picks. I mean, I'd love that. That'd be so cool. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Even if they don't get necessarily Connor Bedard, I mean, there's, you know, at least five or six top, top prospects. So, um, you know, and, and honest, honestly, those five or six guys might've gone first overall this season. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it, it's going to be a good season to not be a good team basically. All right. Well, speaking of not being a good team, uh, we all know the the, the rumors about uh, Pierre Luc Dubois, and I mean, I I, I was I was believing. I, I got to the point where I thought I was 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 refreshing my phone every two seconds as it's going to happen any moment. Now, even though logically I knew that it was probably smarter not to trade for him, I just wanted it to happen anyways. Is this the problem with Montreal Canadiens fans? Is this that we just always want the new shiny thing? <laughs> I mean, we seem to never really like it. It seems like decades that we haven't had any shiny things, really, right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think Dwayne was supposed to be a nice shiny thing, but yeah, look how that pan. He was a nice shiny disappointment, is what he was. <laughs> but I mean, hey, look, I think like now Dubois is doing damage control. He signed his uh, qualifying offer, which which it doesn't mean anything. Like, you can still trade him, obviously, right? And it doesn't bring him to the UFA. Still brings him to. The restricted free uh, free agency, but uh, now he's backtracking, saying, "Oh, I never asked for a trade." People like misunderstood what my agent said. Okay, stop it. Okay, stop. Don't blame the media. I know the media is terrible sometimes, but your agent clearly said you wanted to play in Montreal and knew what he was doing, right? Like, he, he they're, they're they're not idiots. These uh, these agents, they know what they're doing. But I don't know. I still wanted him in Montreal, but now at this point, it's like I'm over it, and I'm like, why trade away assets if you really want to come here? Let's just sign him when he's a free agent, which was always a smart move, you know. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, it, I, I, I think it could still happen, depending, you know. But, uh, you know, I, I think the the trade that could potentially make sense, and I, you know, we've talked about it before, and uh, it's been talked about on Twitter. But like, you know, a move for Josh Anderson and uh, and Devor, uh, Dvorak, and you know, potentially uh, a prospect or something like that, that could make a lot of sense for both teams, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, like, like you said, I mean, worst case scenario, potentially maybe sign him in two years. Right. But like, if you're Winnipeg, you're better off holding on to him and just, cause if they want to win now, hold on to him, hope he doesn't, he still plays hard. And, and like, I, I don't think he's going to mope and like not play to his full potential in the next two years. Cause he's still playing for, for his next contract. Right. And if they want to be competitive, they should. They what they should do is hold on to him. And then worse comes to worse, if they know they're they're going to lose him to free agency, if you trade him at the deadline before he becomes a, a UFA, a UFA, you're probably getting a much better package than what we're talking about giving. You know what I mean? Like this is the type of player that would get like 
a top prospect and a first round pick and stuff like that. It depends where they are in their like as a team at that point. But like a lot of their top players are veteran players. And by, by the time they get to that point, they might want to rebuild anyways. So I don't know. It's just none, none of this ever made sense for Winnipeg. If I'm, if I'm being completely honest, you know, like I think we were just dreaming on our end. I guess it could still happen, but I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think we're willing to give what they could get even for as a, a rental for Pelican's goal. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I guess it depends on what they want to do. I mean, yeah, absolutely. They could wait till, you know, next, not this trade deadline, but the next one and potentially move him. And, and yeah, they could probably get some solid prospects, first round pick, a really good, really good haul. Um, but, you know, I mean, if they want to win right now or, you know, at least make their team a little bit better this season. I mean, you know, if they brought in Dvorak and Anderson, you know, instead of Dubois, that's not a bad yeah, but like there is a part of me, and we've talked about this. There is a part of me that thinks that the Canadians don't want to move Anderson no matter what. Which I love Anderson, but I think that's a little bit ridiculous. You know? Yeah, well, definitely. Definitely ridiculous. Yeah. Especially if you can add a guy like Dubois. But yeah, of course. I mean, it's all speculation. Like, who knows? But like, do we want to add, add Dubois now? Because like, so you think adding Dubois for Dvorak and uh, Anderson makes the team better this year? No, I don't think it makes the team better this year. No, not 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 even a little bit. You only adding a. If you the, the, the center line would all of a sudden be pretty solid, man. Like, you, you don't have a top center line like that and and finish dead last in the league. Yeah, I mean, the Vorak's not that bad either, right? I mean, I know I I have much higher expectations for Dvorak than than you, and probably more than, than most people. I think no, I don't, but he just doesn't have the offensive upside, right? He's a solid third. But like, if you have like like if Dvorak and Dak is like you're hoping that Dak is can be more of an offensive guy in the second line. But then if you have if you have Dubois and Dak, then Dubois obviously is the second line guy, and then Dak has a much easier role to fill on the Canadians, and probably ends up having a better season because of it. You know. Yeah. Well, I think even I think at this point, Dvorak is going to be the second line center and Doc is probably going to be the third line center. I, I, I think it's going to be uh, like Suzuki's the clear number one. And then there's going to be like a two way to be situation. Yeah. Well, I think to begin, it's definitely going to be Dvorak. And then hope they're going to hope that Doc over the course of the season, you know, I mean. Like Dvorak is clearly going to get the shutdown role. He's going to he's going to go against the toughest matchups, and and Doc is going to get sheltered. But the minutes are going to be pretty similar. Like it, it it'll depend if 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 one game we have more power plays or we have more uh, PKs, right? If we have more PKs, then we'll see Dvorak more more power plays. Maybe see Doc more. I really think it's going to be. But Doc, he is going to have the door open for him. He's going to be extremely sheltered, and there's really no reason for him to not have the good years here. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, well, I mean, hopefully, uh, like, you know, he's dealt obviously with some injuries, had a terrible season last year, but, uh, yeah, hope, definitely, hopefully he can, he can bounce back. All right. And now the other Quebecois player who's made the news. So huge trade out of, uh, I mean, another Western Canadian team. So Calgary now went from being a, a cup to contender to having all their top line wanting to leave. Uh, but they actually got a guy back. So Matthew Kachuk gets trade, traded to Florida. For Mackenzie Weger and, of course, Jonathan Ubelu, a, a wild trade, uh, an absolute, like one of the wildest out of the out of nowhere NHL trades I can remember, like reminiscent of like PK Subban to Porsche Weber one for one and stuff like that. Just Ubelu coming off of like I think as a 115 point season, 
just going for another 100-point player in, in, in Matthew Kachuk, it just a very, very interesting move. But as far as, I mean, this is a Montreal Canadiens podcast. As far as the Canadiens, we can't not speculate on a, a upcoming top, like Quebecois UFA coming to the Canadiens. All of a sudden, he's not in Florida anymore. He's in Calgary. And clearly, no one wants to say in Calgary is what we're seeing. And he's a year removed from being a UFA. I mean, are we potentially going to add both Uberdu and Dubois in a two-year span with UFAs, do you believe? Like it's such a we- like yeah, it, it, obviously a massive, massive trade. Um, kind of a weird trade, I feel like for both teams, quite frankly. And at the end of the day, I mean, potentially the team that wins the most, possibly, from this trade from both sides is the Habs. Like I think, like for, first of all, from like uh, from the Florida side, obviously we have the fir- pr- unprotected first-round pick next year. And, you know, for the for the Panthers and and I I don't think that this trade makes them better next season. I mean, over the long term, obviously, Kachuk's a lot uh, is a lot younger than Huberdeau, um, but I'm not sure that you're losing Huberdeau. Let, just... Let's not forget this is a team that was coming off of getting swept once again by by the nemesis. But right? yeah, exactly. So, like we always talk about wanting a shakeup. And so and I don't hate that. I think the bigger loss for them like, than Huberdeau is, is Mackenzie Weaver, honestly. Because okay, Ubelu for Kachuk, I think Ubelu's better right now, but Kachuk's younger and and you know it, it's a different type of player. And but I don't think it's that much of a, of a lot. But adding on top of that, a top two defense, like he's very underrated, but Weger. And to to lose that type of defenseman, that's where the, the Florida Panthers can take a massive drop next year. No, exactly. And I mean, they like you just said, they got eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. Obviously, like huge disappointment on on the uh, to the to the whole team. Um, you know, so obviously that's going to be weighing on them. Now, obviously, okay, yes, they did shake it up a little bit, but you know, even that team, you're taking out Uberdo, you're taking out Uyghur, you're taking out Ben Sherrod, a shutdown defenseman, <laughs> <laughs> and you're taking out. I mean, they, they lost Kojiru too. I mean, did I don't know, man. Like, uh, by, by the way, they did lose. I saw. I thought so. They lost in the second round. They lost in the second round. So they beat oh. Washington in the first round, but then they got swept, and they got swept by Tampa Bay. So they, 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 and they got, and they looked like out of place. Like they got dominated by Tampa Bay, which is obviously their biggest rivals. It, it's absolutely embarrassing. For, like, imagine winning the President's Trophy, and then getting swept by the Leafs. That'd be yeah, <laughs> that'd be pretty painful, right? Like there is nothing worse that could happen in my life overall. Overall, <laughs> there's, there's absolutely nothing like, worse that can happen. Like so, like after after all of this, like okay, I'm sure next season Florida could very well win the president, maybe not the president's trophy, but I mean, they, you know, they're probably going to make the playoffs next year. Yeah. But based on all this movement and and you know losing a guy like Uyghur, Giroud, Uberdo, and like you know Uberdo's been there forever, losing guys like this, like it it sort of just seems like it a bit of a recipe for them they could really crash no, it, it is it's not outside of, I, I i don't want to even think about it because i want to get my hopes up they still have a very very solid team but let's not forget this is a, a monster division ottawa got so much better in this offseason like ottawa can definitely contend for the playoffs right now and florida is still over the cap right they they still have to get worse and they've, they've lost other good, like, supplementary pieces and all that. It's it's not looking great. Like, and they signed Mark Stahl, like, and stuff like that. It's, it's just, it, 
this could be a, a huge kind of drop off season for Florida for sure, for sure. And and like I don't think it's going to be a lottery pick, but I mean, it's not outside the realm of possibility that Florida misses the playoffs next year. I really don't think so. No, no, definitely not. You know, I mean, teams in the division got better, so it's uh, you know, I mean, they they could very well be one of the top teams again, but you know, I think I think the door is open for them to have you know a big time regression if yeah. if things don't click. And then obviously, I mean, yeah, on the other side, I mean, you know, Calgary, I mean, like just from their perspective, like it just, it seems like a weird thing to trade Kachuk and then, okay. I mean, on paper, you're getting two really good players. You're getting a first round yeah. pick, you got a, an, an okay prospect, but these are two guys that could walk next season. Like what? Yeah, but it's ex- exceptional circumstances, right? They like, they just lost Gojiro for nothing. And he and he made it seem like he was maybe going to resign the whole year, and he, he walks for nothing, and in a weird move to Columbus, where it's supposedly closer to home, which barely closer to home, and then clearly Matthew Kachuk told them he wasn't going to sign. Like, at least Kachuk told them. Kachuk, it yeah. sounds like he straight up told me he wasn't going to stay. So they 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 couldn't risk having another young star just walking away, and at, at least now they have one more year of being competitive because now going into next year. There's no reason why this team can't be just as good as they were this year. Like, you lose Goudreau, it hurts. You add Ibaldo. So you, you still lost a big piece, basically, in, in, in Kachuk. But you add Uyghur on defense. I mean, I don't know. If I'm a Calgary fan, I like this trade. Because I'm so depressed before because I'm losing our two young star players. But at least we can have one more year of having fun. But I, but I agree. I'm not ex- I don't expect these players to sign back in Calgary. Like, I don't know. I I know they both said that they're open to doing it, but uh, I think they have one more year to contend, and then it's going to be a, a rebuilding Calgary. Yeah, and I mean, and now Uberdo, I mean, could like what, like we were talking about, like could he sign with the Habs now? I mean, you know, if if he was still with Florida, it'd probably be unlikely that he would ever leave there. You know, he spent his whole career there. Obviously, they're yeah. a good team, but now, but now all- he probably feels jilted. He's like, I got to go home. I'm sad. Florida like you know, traded me away. Exactly. And I mean, now all of a sudden, I mean, the Canadians, okay. I mean, I think we know they're going to be, they're not going to be very good next season, but I mean, you know, now they're the, the younger guys are starting to get a little bit older, especially if they were to make a move to go get Dubois. I mean, Huberto, man, could definitely take a look at the, at the whole situation that we got going on here and maybe see, you know, see, see a team that's really ready to, but to pump over here's the thing. Is that a, is that a bad move though? to all of a sudden, you are because you're gonna have to give Ibelu a big contract. You're gonna have to give him like nine mil or something. Like Zubois is getting a huge contract too, right? So like you don't want to turn into the Leafs light either, right? Where you're 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 like leaving all you're all top heavy and you and you can't and then you have contracts coming up for Caulfield and eventually Sapkowski and all that, you know. Like I am all for the excitement of getting both those guys, but is that actually the smart move to sign a 30 year old? You'd be able to do it to like nine million dollar contract. Yeah, that that obviously be a pretty big question mark, right? I mean, uh, you know, obviously we'll have to see how he does in Calgary next year, and you know, but uh, but yeah, a, a guy like him is probably going to be asking for nine nine and a yeah. half million dollars. I will say though, his style of play, he's more of a playmaking winning winger and all that. Like I don't necessarily see him falling off that much. I, I could see him being very solid for a long time. So I, I'd still be all for going for it. It's just, it's fun. It's just, 
that's what it is, right? Sports is supposed to be fun. That's why we watch and not to be stressed out all the time. <laughs> Doesn't I mean, work. We got we got some reasons to be excited now as Habs fans. So any reason. Yeah, we but, can... but then like watch neither of them come to Montreal. Then we got excited for nothing. That'd be so annoying. I feel like Dubois is Huberdo. Like I'm not really expecting it that much. Though I mean, I think I think it makes it definitely makes sense. But Dubois, I mean, like I don't know. At this point, it just makes so much sense. Yeah, it does. if he actually wants to, like apparently even his like place he stays in in the off season is like a ten minute walk from the Bell Center. Like it, it really seems like he he wants to be a Montreal. And that that for me, I don't care what people say about his attitude and all that stuff and all that. Like, if you want to play in Montreal that bad, I, I'm all for it, man. I'll, I'll give you that shot because you hear so much of play. Like, just watch what's happening happen in Calgary. These players want to want to want to move away, right? If you have a player that really wants to come here that bad of that caliber and a, a top like big center, you got to do it. You really, really got to do it. And I hope it's true. I'll be so annoyed if it's not true, though. I, I don't want to believe because I feel like we've been like we we've been in these rumors our whole lives with the Canadians, and it almost never happened. I mean, not not just almost never happens. When has it ever happened? <laughs> I, know, I know. I mean, Dwayne, I guess, eventually happened. Uh, he was in the rumors for a while before. But, yeah, like, it's not like we're super excited about how that turned out. But, yeah, free agency basically never happens. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I, I just – I want it to ha- – I, I want Dwayne to get traded soon just for us not to talk about it for two years. <laughs> yeah, I mean – you know, yeah, but that, that's probably going to be the the next two off seasons. That's all that people are going to be talking about. So, yeah, off season when the Canadians start zero and ten, that's terrible again. Well, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the potential draft pick and oh, uh, let's start talking about the next off season because there's nothing else to talk about. But anyway, they, they might not be that bad. I don't I don't think they'll be that bad. Only only time will tell. But uh, uh, I think uh, I think that covers uh, all all the new news we had to to talk about today. I, I can't wait for us to finish the podcast, upload it, and for the Canadians to make another trade. Basically, what happened after we I think Petrie got traded the day after we posted our last trade. Yeah, right? yeah, I think so. So I mean, if another trade happens, you're welcome, Habs fans. It was thanks to us. Uh, but uh, as always, uh, follow us at the Habs Forum on Twitter uh, if you want to know when the next episode is going to drop. So thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you.